Y'all ready for the word? I love it. I love the word. Amen. Well, it's Mother's Day, so guess what kind of sermon we're preaching? Mother's Day sermon. Get your Bibles out and go to Genesis chapter 1. The sermon I'm going to preach right now actually should be a series. It should take me at least a month. There's a lot of uh, things I would like to say about women, period, females, period. But I want to minister to the women in the congregation today. Now, that does not mean I'm going to beat up the men. We're not going to beat up the men. We don't have to beat up the men to minister to the women, do we? We can minister to the women and leave them, leave the men alone. Amen. But there's a lot of situations that have happened in the earth, and I think the church has been partly responsible for it because they've not preached it right. In many countries, the women are nothing are a little above cattle. They're bought and sold. When a man is born, the family gets excited. When a woman is born, it's like, oh well, another mouth to feed. And that kind of thing has, has, has come in even to the church to where um, I, I know churches right now that they don't recognize women in ministry. They don't recognize women at all. And the reason for that is a wrong teaching, wrong teaching from the Bible. So if you would do me a favor, I'm going to talk about the four characteristics of a woman of God. And this is the point that I want to make. Women came from God. God made women. They didn't, you know, and we need to recognize that God has a feminine side. If, that, if he didn't, he couldn't have made a woman. Okay? So women are unique. If you do not believe that, ask a young man who's been married about a week. <laughs> They're very different. When I married Lisa, she turned a house into a home. She decorated it. She brought color in. I did not know there was different... I thought pink was pink. I didn't know there was a hundred shades to pink and maybe a thousand. There's a lot of things I didn't know, but I just turned her loose and I just get out of her way. Amen. So anyway, I want to, I want to get in the word of God and talk about four characteristics of a woman of God. And if you've read your Bible lately, and and I think ladies, this would be a great subject, go through and study the women in the Bible. And all that the women in the Bible did. It was a female, a woman, the first person to preach the gospel. To say he's risen from the dead. Well, the first person to ever preach was a woman. Amen. Amen. So God's attitude toward femininity and toward women is very, very different. I don't think we'd have a women's feminist movement if the church had been doing their job. So let's talk about that. Let's go to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. God said... Let us, Father, Son, Holy Ghost, make man, not males, mankind in our image according to our likeness, and let them, who is them? Them is male and female. We'll see that in a minute. And let them have dominion, not him have dominion, them have dominion, over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the cattle, and over all the earth and every creeping things that creeps on the earth. So God created mankind, man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female, he created them. God did not make man and then make the woman and make her subservient 
are less than the male counterpart. That, that has created no small stir, stir. Now, I will say this physically, and you women can get mad at me if you want to. A 150-pound woman is no match for a 250-pound man except in the movies. That's why you need a Glock. And, and, and I'm not taking away from your femininity. God made you feminine. He made you unique. He made the man to protect you. So understand... Whatever they do on TV should have a disclaimer. Do not try this at home. Don't, don't try it. So there is a difference in men and women physically. But we see from the Bible that God made man. And I'm going to show you this. I want you to see this. Let me just read it to you. And he says, he created man in his own image. Male and female created them. And God blessed them. Not him. Say them. And God said to them, both of them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. The, the husband and the wife is a team that God placed in the earth for, the, for families. Now, we're going to see something in a minute, and it's gonna, we're going to read the scripture about God taking the rib from a woman, but there is no word in the Hebrew that says anything about a rib. They didn't know what to do with it. So they, it says in the Hebrew, God took a side of Adam and made woman because she came out of man. What side did he take from Adam? The feminine side. That means, don't ask me how. Adam was both masculine and feminine. God had the ability to make man without a woman. He's God. He could do it. But when he made man, he decided that the only way they could make a person and be like God was to come back together. So he took the feminine side out of Adam and called them Ish and Ishi so that the man cannot have children, the woman cannot have children. Only when they come together can they procreate and create a human together. So, so God put them as heirs together of the grace of life. God did not want one person raising the children. There was a reason for that. Now, contrary to whatever you may hear, the woman is the nurturing side of God. There are things about the woman, she's different, not bad, different. She's supposed to be different. Men, there is nothing in your Bible that says husbands understand the woman. It only says lover. Don't figure her out. You'd have to figure God out to figure her out. She is different. She's designed to be different. She is the nurturing side of God. That does not make you less. 
the, the number three card-giving day in the United States from Hallmark is Mother's Day. Mother's Day cards say a lot about loving and caring and nurturing and we love you, Mom. None of those things appear on the Father's Day cards. <laughs> Does that make the man less? No, no. Don't, don't lock me in a, in a room with a poopy diaper and a baby. Uh, let, let, me ha- let me mow the yard, let me fix the truck, let me go to work, let me make the money, let me build the house, but please don't give me the kid. <laughs> I'm not like Lisa. I'm not supposed to be like Lisa. And the woman, Lisa's not supposed to be like me. There's a, there's a part that, that was missing in me that when God wanted me to have children, that he gave me Lisa. And so the two of us have the ability to make a family together. Yes. Now, then he says in Ephesians, and I'm talking about Christ and the church. The church today still has God as being able to do anything he wants to without the church. That is completely wrong. God can't do anything in the earth without his church. And the church can't do anything in the earth without God. We were never supposed to be separate. You're not supposed to be living without God. He's not supposed to be operating without you. And he says he's talking about Christ and the church. So when you understand the, the home, you'll understand the church. When you understand the church, you'll understand the home and the way it's supposed to be. So God made women in his image and he made her in his likeness also. There are elements of God you will not see in a male. You will see him in a female. There are elements of God that you will not see in a female. You will see them in a male. Stop trying to take anger out of men. A man is supposed to be a sheepdog. He's supposed to run to the fight. He's supposed to be the one that checks the yard out in the middle of the night when something goes bang. Not mama. Take care of the kids. I'll be back in a little while. Don't shoot me if I come in. You know, there's just so many differences, but yet our society has really messed that one up. You know, there's no difference in men and women. Oh, by God, there is. And you hadn't been married very long if you hadn't figured out there's a big difference in men and women. I figured that out. I said, God, what is she talking about? I tell you something, I have a very, very, very good wife. And our boys have a very, very good mom. So let me, let me set you ladies free for a minute. I didn't say we raised five perfect kids. You know, sometimes women get all bent out of shape because they did the best they knew and not all the kids turned out right. Your job's not done. 
Thank you for y'all's enthusiasm. <laughs> Billy Graham's kids, um, they didn't all do so hot. They did later. Kenneth Copeland and John went AWOL for a while. Come on, y'all. Don't shout me down because I'm preaching real good. The, the, the earmark of you being a good mom is not perfect children. You might not be done yet. You might still need a knee degree. You, you might still have some. You, so we're going to talk about that in a, in a minute. But, but don't, don't allow your present circumstances determine whether you're a good mother or not. This, what happens in your home is nobody's business. Thank you for y'all's enthusiasm. Amen. Uh, Billy Graham's kids came to Billy and um, what's his wife's name? Ruth. And said, we wished you had fought in front of us. Because we thought we were, we we thought there was something wrong with us. You get two people that come from two different families, especially if you have a man from the north and a woman from the south. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, it, you guys have just got to be picked on for a little while. Green Acres. Just think of Green Acres. Um. You know, Lisa's mother never cooked fat cornbread. She cooked skinny cornbread. I, I always cut my cornbread in the middle to butter it, and there was no middle. <laughs> well, we, had, we had a lot of fun in our early, in our early days, but, you know, that's, that's part of life. Amen. So it says that God made a helper. And I want you to see this. Chapter 2, verse 15, it says, And the Lord took the man, Adam, and put him in the garden to tend it and keep it. That has not changed. We're still tending the garden and we're still keeping the garden. And it says um, um, in verse 21, And God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam. And he slept and he took one of his ribs or he took his side and closed up the flesh. And the side which the Lord took from the man, he made a woman and brought her to the man. And he said, bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, she could be called a woman. I, I'm going to tell you what he really said. <laughs> now, you got to understand, she hasn't been to Walmart to buy anything yet. And so he comes out of a sleep and she's standing there and he went, Whoa, man. God went, write that down. That's what her name will be from now on. And man has still been saying that ever since. Whoa, man. That's awesome. If you would go with me to Hebrews chapter 11. I want to talk about the four characteristics of a woman of God. Are you ladies with me? The number one characteristic of a woman of God, well, let me just read it to you. I picked four women. Um, The reason I only picked four is I only have an hour. There is a lot more in the Bible about women than I'm going to share today. 
uh, and there's more that, that probably that I don't know. You'd have to get Lisa up here. Hebrews 11, 11, it says, by, by faith, Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who promised. One of the things that a woman of God is is a woman of faith, and I want you to listen to this. Faith is not necessary when something's possible, only when it's impossible. The woman of the house is very often faced like Sarah, God made a promise to her that you'll have a child in your old age. The Bible is full of promises, but they're impossible without God. And you're going to find the very first characteristics of a woman of God is she is a woman who trusts God. She will take the word of God and take it to God, and she will stay in there with God until she gets an answer to her prayer, and she's going to come out of that room with the things she believes for. There's things that happen in a home that are impossible in the natural, except mama gets in there with God and causes things to happen that would not have otherwise happened. I want you to think about this statement. Why would God say move the mountain if he wanted the mountain to be there? There are mountains in your life and God wants you to understand that if you don't want them there, move them. Usually, it's the woman who sees these issues in the family, in the home. I think I went to Ramah with Debbie Boone, one of the Boone girls, and she said, my mother had calluses on her knees raising us. If you're raising children in this day, you need to learn to get a hold of God. Because you're going to do the best you can, and after that, you're going to need some help. And that woman is the nurturing side of God, and I'll guarantee you, no matter what daddy is doing out making money, mama's in the throne room, and she's going to make sure that what the world said is impossible is possible. Let me talk about my mom for just a moment. Everybody's mom seems to be like mine when I grew up, they made a movie on television uh, in, in, um, in reference to me as a boy, and they named it Dennis the Menace. <laughs> they should give me royalties because I gave them the idea. I remembered I, I wanted a horse, and I bought one, and I brought him home. I lived in a neighborhood. I didn't understand watching cowboy movies why I didn't ride through neighbors' yards. But they, they took offense at their yard looking like the Old West because I live next door. That didn't fit well. It seemed to me as though I was always doing something somebody didn't think was cool. My mother was the only one that kept saying to the neighbors, he's got a call of God on his life. And the reason he's like he is is because God's working in him. When everyone in the world didn't believe in me, my mother did. 
Isn't it amazing that your mother thought you were the cat's meow even when you were not the meow? Amen. And, and it seems like she's the one that's there when everybody else has left you. When, when at, the, at the cross, when everybody was gone, Jesus' mother was there at the bottom. When it came time the next day to be out there to, 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 to take care of the body, his mother was there. It seems like she's the one that's going to believe in you when nobody else believes in you. So the number one characteristic of a woman of God is that she is a woman of strong faith in God. And she has to be. Now, Suzanne Wesley, um, don't know where my note, I got a little paper here by her. And if it's all right, I'm going to read a couple of things. She homeschooled her kids. She had 10 of them. And I'm going to tell you something about Lisa, and I'm not telling you to do what we did. Um, I'm not, I'm not anti-public schools. As a matter of fact, we've got people in this church whose kids are in public school, and they have a good teacher. And it just seems to me like a popka has more Christian teachers than a lot of other schools. So, so I'm not down on it. But in my, in my time, Lisa looked at me when we got married and said, I will work up until the day we have a child, and I will not work after that. I'm going home to be a mom. It's on you. Now, we didn't have a ski boat. We had one. Well, we sold it when we had kids. You know, there's a time, there's a time to put everything into the kids, you know, there's a time to raise the kids. There's a time. Now, when they're gone, lock the door and change the lock and take the keys away and, and ask them when they come over, who are y'all? Do we know you? Um, so um, they call that your senior years. I, I don't think so. I think it's the, ti- I think it's the time period when you buy food on Monday and it's still there Wednesday. <laughs> now, now before when the boys were home, we had, we had a, a caravan going to the store all the time in order just to keep the freezer and the refrigerator full. So I'm going to talk to you a little bit about Suzanne Wesley, she had a very principled woman, and uh, this is kind of fun. you got to go online and listen to the way these ladies raise their kids. Uh, devotions, the children of her family were taught as soon as they could speak the Lord's Prayer, which were made to sing at rising and bedtime constantly, Suzanne reminded her son. Worship and music, when the Wesley children were a little older, the day began with reading and singing a psalm, reading the Old Testament chapter and saying private prayers. Let me tell you something. I didn't teach the boys to pray. Lisa did. You know, you would think, well, you're the pastor of the church. I might be the pastor of the church, but I'm not the bad guy because I went out and worked. Thank y'all. Let me say this again. We have to quit beating men up. They weren't there. They're not supposed to be there. All right. She made it a home. I put the roof on it. I paid the bills, I bought the food. I'm not going to be at all their plays. I hate hate television sometimes. Where's my father? 
He's at work, honey. Pray for me right now that I get over this for a moment. That's why you have a mom. And I, and I get it. I've never gotten a Father's Day card. Oh, Dad, you were there. I wanted to say, Dad, here's some money for a gun. We know you need it because you were always at work. Let me, let me, let me talk to the men for a minute. When I married Lisa, there was a day that I went to work and I was pushing a wheelbarrow into a dumpster. And I, the wheelbarrow fell off and the, it hit my ribs and broke them. I mean, you, that's painful, guys. You don't know. They, don't, they can't put a cast around your midsection. They put an ace bandage around me. And guess where I was the next day? At work. I'm, a, I'm a block mason. Ask me how heavy a block is. It's 32 pounds. How heavy is it when your ribs broke? It's still 32 pounds. Yeah, that's called a good dad. And, and you know what? Somebody's putting, uh, buying all those goodies in the refrigerator. Okay, never mind. I, th- I, think, I think that dads really do need a little bit more grace. And, and we'll talk about that at Father's Day just for being a man. Thank you. Amen. Amen. That's enough said. <laughs> Men, you got to help me out with that. Oh, raw, raw, read. Cook him in the knee. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you the rest of that one. That's not Christian. The Wesleyan children, when they were a little older, they began reading a psalm and saying private prayers all before breakfast. In the school day, they paired up and read a song and read a chapter in the New Testament. A focus in the Wesley House, nine to noon and two to five were served the children's education. A top priority for Susanna. It's almost incredible what a child can be taught in a quarter of a year by a vigorous application she remembered. It's amazing what you can teach your children. Now, now let, I want homeschooling is not bad. My my boys came out smarter than kids in public school. Number one. Now here's why. I'm off subject here, but let me explain something to you. In the public school, they have to move on. Even if your kid didn't get it. Lisa didn't move on. She stayed with them until they got it. So they, they passed everything because she was able to work at their speed. And I've had times, and I'll tell you this bragging on the boys, when, when they worked in the secular world, Justin worked at Pentair, they would sit down with grown adult men and teach them stuff. And they'd go, where did you learn all of this you know? And in the eyes of the world, they're kids. They're not kids. They're men. And we raised them to be men. And we taught them and taught them well. You say, well, what about their social life? They got church. The rest of the numb nuts, they don't need to know them yet. But I do remember when Jordan wanted to be in sports. And we put him in Mount Dora, and he was on the swim team, and, and fast. Umatilla. Huh? Umatilla. Umatilla? I thought Mount Dora. <laughs> Why is the school downtown Mount Dora? <laughs> well, she would know. Where the boys went to school. I don't have any idea where it was. 
I thought I remember. All right, never mind. If you want to know what happened with the boys, ask Lisa, because I don't know. I was at work. But I remember the day Jordan came home and said, did y'all know everyone's not like us? And we went, Jordan, yes, we know that. That's the reason why we homeschooled you, boy. Okay. All right. But they did learn about God, and they grew up with a Christian education. And Lisa taught them. They still pray today. They still read their Bible. And they still follow the instructions of their mother or else. <laughs> Amen. No joke. I'm proud, I'm proud of the work my wife did. Um, no goofing off. Suzanne expected the children's full attention during education hours. I'll skip the rest of that. Reading. Each child was taught to read at the age five, both boys and girls. Suzanne noted putting children to learn sewing. This dates them. That can, that can, uh, before they can read perfectly is the reason why so few women can, re- can be fit to be heard today. Never well understood. Listen, there's things that, they, that are primary in life. One of them is their time with God, reading the Bible. The other one is their ability to read and write. That's not the school's responsibility. That's yours. Now, there may be things they're not teaching them, but, but when they come home, you, you, you got them. So, so sit them down. Let's talk about discipline for a minute. Just, just for a minute. There's no such thing as terrible twos. Well, in our house, we did have them for two minutes per boy and never happened again <laughs> boy if we ever went back to the bible it's amazing how our kids would come out if we just followed a little instruction we when we took them places we we never had we never had problems in restaurants. Never. Not once. We take them to public, take them to people's homes. We tell them to do something, they did it. We didn't, what did threaten them? Once was enough. They didn't do it, beat them. <laughs> you, don't, you don't have to whoop them much if you do it right. They'll remember. No time out. Time out is a time for a child to sit in a corner and get mad at you for what you said. No, you know, you don't sit in the corner of my house mad at me. And crying is okay for two minutes. After that, it's pity, and I'll whip you for pity. So naturally, do we raise good boys? Absolutely. But that doesn't work. If you don't take them in the yard, play with them, spend time with them, go fishing with them, hug on them, love on them, put them to bed, kiss them. You know, that's what they're forced to be kissed all over. Just kiss them. Stop when they get 18. They don't like it anymore. (laughs) Mommy, quit kissing me. I'm 18 years of age. Tucking me in the bed. You know, you're my little baby. You're my little pookie wookie. Moom, 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 moom. (laughs) Mommy, I'm 18. Quit kissing me, especially in front of my girlfriend. Stop it. Don't you love your mom? I mean, she's mom all the time, you know. Amen. Are those your parents? Yes, that's my father. That other one, that, I don't know that woman over there. I don't know her. 
Let me read one more to you, a couple more. Self-regulation. Suzanne was convinced that self-will is the root of all sin and misery. It is. And work to help her children become self-controlled. That's a new idea. Um, Peace. The child-filled Wesley household was not chaotic. The family usually lived in as much quietness as there needed to be even among a child among them. When, we, when the boys were growing up, we had a pasture. We had a horse, a go-kart, a swimming pool, baseball bats, fishing poles. You make all the noise you want to outside. You go outside and make all the noise. You walk in that door, I don't want to hear you. And it's okay. This is a, we want to hear ourselves thinking here. And it's okay. And if they make noise, put them back out all night. It doesn't matter. Lock the door. Let them beat on it like Fred Flintstone. Wilma. Whatever. <laughs> it is possible to have a nice controlled atmosphere in a good home. It is very possible, and you should. I think we should take our homes away from our children. And if they start crying about a cell phone, take it. You don't owe it to them. Well, what if they run away? Help them pack. <laughs> Ashley came to me one day and threatened me. She's going to leave home. We went in the bedroom, took a suitcase out, and I packed her. And I said, well, when you leave, I want you to know the neighbors. They're not going to honor your birthday. They're not going to honor you. They're not going to love on you. And, um, and, you, and you're not coming back home. You understand? That's your new parents. And uh, it's going to be the same as here. And if you want to call the HRS, that's fine. They're going to put you in a house with about 50 other kids. And she unpacked her suitcase. (laughs) And never mind. I played poker. For all the men that went, I think I got that. I know your hand is not as good as you thought it was. All right, the, the second thing about a woman of God, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. Turn over there. Let's read that. Cast all your cares on him, for he cares for you. Anxiety and faith don't mix. You cannot fall apart and call it faith. Faith is a rest. Now, I did not say that you would not have seasons of prayer. And I want you to look. With me at First Samuel chapter one, I want to look at Hannah. We looked at Sarah, and now we're going to look at Hannah for a few minutes um, as a as a type of a woman who learned to cast her cares on God. If you're gonna if you're gonna be a mom, you're gonna be a woman. You're gonna have you're gonna learn a phrase: pray more, say less. Amen. There's a time to talk, and there's a time to stop talking. There's a time to go to God. There's a time to start praying about it. And if you, if you don't understand that, then you're not a mom. Every mother understood exactly what I just said. Um, you said, I'm talking, I'm blue in the faith. Well, come back to the, your normal color and go, hit the, go, and go talk to God about this. All right, look at 1 Samuel chapter 1, um, verse 8. It says, and El Elk Anna, her husband, said, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? Why is your heart grieved? Am I not better than ten sons? No, husband, you're not. 
She wants children. Okay. And so Hannah rose after that eating dinner and drinking in Shiloh. Now, Eli the priest was sitting on the seat of the doorpost in the tabernacle, and she was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. She's, she's not being bad. She's being a mom. She's being a woman. There are times when you're going to, there's things that are going to bother you and you're going to need to go to God with those things. You're going to learn to pray and you're going to learn to get a hold of God and it might be a season in your life where you've got to pray this thing out and that's what she's doing right now. She has no children. She wants children. Her husband's not going to cut it. Um, and she made a vow and said to the Lord of hosts, if you indeed look on the affliction of your handmaid and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but give your maidservant a male child, I will give him back to you all the days of his life and no razor will come upon his head. We know that she gave birth to Samuel the prophet. And it happened as she continued praying that Eli watched her mouth and Hannah spoke in her heart, only her lips move and her voice was not heard. And Eli thought she was drunk and said to her, how long are you going to be drunk? Put wine away from you. And she said, Lord, Lord, I am a woman of sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink. I am pouring my soul out to God. Do not consider your maidservant a wicked woman, for out of the abundance of my complaint I have I spoken. And Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition, which you have asked of him. And she said, Let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went away and ate, and her face was no longer sad. Now, I'm going to tell you something about womanhood. And I'll just say this about Lisa. I'm going to tell you, there's been times that uh, she's had to go to God about situations that were out of our control. And I mean, you know, she, and I'm going to tell you something else about her, and she's probably going to be a little embarrassed, but maybe not too bad. So very often, I'll wake up in the morning to go cook breakfast, and Lisa's been up an hour. Now, she's not cooking breakfast. She's in there with her Bible, spending time with God. She's got a home to run. She's got a business to run. She's got a church to run. She's got to have her time with God. And I'll see her in the morning, and I'll walk by, and i say, good morning. And what you doing? She's reading the Bible. And, and she's in there very quietly praying and seeking God because there's things that she understands. They're not going to change because she talks to me about it. She's going to go to God with this stuff. And I've seen times when I've seen her sorrowful and heavy and concerned about things. But usually after spending time with God, and I remembered many days, she'd look at me and I'd say, what did he say? She said, well, this is what he said. And once she, once she got a word from God, her sadness ended. She could look at the boys and go, it doesn't matter what happens right now. I'm telling you, the Lord showed me this, and that's the way this is going to be. There's no reason to be sad all the time, walking around the house looking like, you know, if mom ain't happy, nobody happy. Sometimes you need to be happy. And you've got to learn, if you're going to be a mom, you've got to learn to cast the care of some things over on God and leave them with God and let him fix them. That, like I said a while ago, there are situations that in the natural are not possible, but with God all things are possible. So we understand the second thing about a woman of God is women of God have learned how to rest. Yeah, now, let me tell you, your job is 9 to 5. It's not 9 to 5. It's 24-7. If you're not resting in God, the circumstances are going to defeat you. You've got to learn to rest while you're working. Because the dishes are going to get washed. And there are things that you're going to have to do even though everything's not going so well. Amen. And you've learned that by now. Amen.
All right, the third thing, and this is a toughie, and I really got to fix this one. Go to 1 Samuel 25 before I tell you what it is. Turn the page. The second, the third thing is that the woman of God has got to learn how to be submissive to her husband. Now, once you learn why, then, you, then you'll be good with it. 1 Samuel 25, 2. Nagging doesn't work. You have a man with an ego... And you're going to lord it over him. He's not going to submit even if you're right. I'll come over here and preach. I don't think y'all got a bit of this. See, not every woman in this church is married to a good man like me. (laughs) All right, I'll rephrase that. Not every woman in this church's husband's in this church and living for God. I'm going to tell you that right now. That adds to the, to the situation at home when you're raising kids and the husband and the wife are at odds. Ladies, I got your attention, didn't I? The Bible says that's, that, that a woman is to adapt to her own husband. So what do you do? What, how do you handle this whenever you're living for God and he's not? Well, the Bible actually tells you so. Our hero is Abigail. So let's read about Abigail right now. Um, uh, 1 Samuel 25, 2. There was a man in Moan whose business was in Carmel, and the man was very rich, and he had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats, and he was shearing his sheep in Carmel, and the name of that man was Nabal, and the name of his wife, Abigail, and she was a woman of good understanding and beautiful appearance. Now, if y'all don't believe that, go on a website and look at the Israeli girls with their ARs at the beach. Justin goes, I want one. (laughs) Those Jewish girls are quite pretty. It's cool to see one walking around with a rifle slung over her back. But um, anyway, um, I think the, what's the new one, Wonder Woman? What's, no, what's her name? What's the little Jewish girl's name? See, now see what I'm talking about. (laughs) That's, that's what, this woman is quite, quite nice looking. And so, um, but she has a husband. He's a jerk. I didn't want anybody to say amen. Thank you. You didn't do that. (laughs) When David heard in the wilderness that Nabal was shearing sheep, he sent 10 young men and said, go to the young men, go to Carmel, go to Nabal and greet him. And thus you say to him, live in prosperity, peace be to you, peace to your house, and peace to all you have. And I've heard that you have shearers, your shepherds are with us, and we did not harm them. Now, everybody knows this. Everybody knows from Facebook and, um, and Instagram that David's the next king. Everybody in Israel has already read the newspaper about David and Goliath. Everybody knows about Saul, and everybody knows who David is, right? Everybody knows this. 
They know that David is the next king, and David's already started his army, and David is roaming the hills, taking care of Israel. He goes to Nabal and said, we're in your neighborhood. We've been watching your sheep. We've been taking care of you to keep the enemy. Would you please feed my men? And Nabal writes him back and says, I don't know who you think you are. That doesn't set real well with David. So we're going to pick up this story. Y'all okay? Like th- this should be a Hallmark movie. It really should. I think Larry Levinson would do good to read his Bible and get some ideas from movies. Never mind. Verse 8, ask your young men and they will tell you, therefore my young men did find favor in your eyes, for we have come on a feast day. Please give whatever comes to your hand in service to your, to your servant David. And David's young men came, spoke to Nabal, according to all the words of David, waited, and Nabal answered David's services. Who is David? And who is this son of Jesse? There's many servants nowadays who break away from one of his masters. Shall I take my bread and water and meat that I have killed in my children and give it to you? That's not very nice. And David's young men turned their heels and went back and told David what he said. And David said, everyone put on your sword. We're going to go back to Nabal's Nabal's and visit him. He's going to kill everybody in his house. Now, you might say, well, that's not very nice. Well, you're right. It may not be to you and I. But there's an enormous amount of disrespect going on here. So here's what the storyline goes. His wife heard about it, grabbed the food, and met David on the road coming to kill everybody. She's interceding for a stupid husband. She's going to go to the next king of Israel, bowed before him, and we know this is a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. She knows she's married to a jerk. She knows that he deserves death, and she didn't just let, let him kill him because a lot of people are fixing to die, and she went to David and bowed and said, I wasn't there, I didn't know about this, but I have come to plead with you and ask you not to do this thing. And David complimented her and said, you know, I almost did something very bad here. And all of the servants were saved. Now later, when you read the story, her husband died. Who took care of the jerk? God took care of him. And all of the servants lived, and he ended up marrying her. Like I said, that'd make a good Hallmark movie. (laughs) The next thing that I wanted you to see, a woman of God learns how to be submissive to her husband. Not that she's doing what he says. She's learned to put her faith in God, even though the things at home are not going the way they thought they should go. And and a real woman of God is going to be a real woman of God all the time. She's going to raise her children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord with him or without him. She's going to stay the course. And we have a lot of ladies around here who've raised good children, and yet we don't even know who their husbands are. Never met the guy. Don't come to church at all. 
And yet the women are doing a fantastic job of making sure their homes are in order. And so there's a lot to be said. Number three, she's learned how to be a submissive wife. She's learned how to adapt to him. But she's also learned how to get things fixed when they couldn't get fixed otherwise. Lisa and I have a friend. We vacationed with them several times. And he was a jerk. They were both in ministry together. We went on a vacation with them once. And we were in Colorado going around corners And everybody in the vehicle was puking, vomiting, because nobody could handle the the ride. And his wife said, honey, you've got to stop. The kids are opening the window, leaning outside, throwing up on the side of the car. And he said, we need to get where we're going. No, we're on vacation. We don't need to get where we're going, you big bully. And I looked at him and I said, stop the car. I'm going to whoop you. Thank you for y'all's enthusiasm. You know, quit trying to take the masculinity out of a man. Amen. There's a time for it. Yes. Okay. That's right. So we stopped. Everybody puked on the side of the road, cleaned up the inside of the car, and down the road we went. Well, later, um, he kicked her out of the house, just threw her out of the house. You know what his excuse was? I married the wrong woman. I said, well, you might have. Maybe she married the wrong man. But you have teenage kids. It's a little too late to be going. I married the wrong woman. I got to get rid of this lady. And he, is a, he was a mean, mean person. I mean, and I, and I stepped in to, work, to help them with their marriage. And the Lord said to me, get out of it. This is me. I'm tired of it. I'm setting her free. Now, we'll, we'll talk about that later. We're talking about God judging people. Well, God don't judge nobody today. Oh, yeah, he does too. Yeah, he does. Oh, yeah, he does. Then he kept all the money, and I called her, and I said, get a lawyer and sue him. In faith, in love. <laughs> and she did, and she got half the money that was coming to her. Let me tell you something. There's some mean people out there. So anyway, later, she ended up marrying a really nice guy. Don't tell me God doesn't hear the prayers of a righteous woman. You know, God knows what's going on in your home. So the third characteristics of a woman of God is that I would say she submits, but actually she's a praying woman. The last one, and probably not the least, is Luke chapter 1. A woman of God is fearless. A woman of God is a fearless woman. Um. Most of the women of God that I know are not cowardly at all. Um, you don't want to meet them in a dark alley at night, especially if they have a Glock. But Matthew, Luke chapter 1, I want you to think about Mary. She's going to be the hero of my, of my fourth and final person. But I want you to think about what it would have been like to have been a virgin girl and have an angel show up and say, you're going to have a baby even though you're not married. In a society that would stone you for it. That's quite a deal, isn't it? All right, let's, let's read um, Luke one twenty six. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth 
to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And came in, the angel said, rejoice, you're pregnant. (laughs) And she's like, I don't have any idea what you are talking about. Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled. Like, uh -uh. uh-uh, I don't think so. And considered what manner of greeting this was. And the angel said, don't be afraid, Mary. You're going to have found favor with God. Behold, you're going to conceive in a womb and bring forth a son and call his name Jesus. And he'll be great. He'll be called the son of the highest. The Lord, God will give him the throne of his father, David. He'll reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom, there'll be no end. And Mary said, I don't know how this is going to happen. I'm not, I don't even know man. And the angel said, the Holy Ghost is going to come on you, and the, thing, and the baby in you will be called the Son of God. And even Elizabeth is, is, is with child in her old age, and, and for with God nothing is impossible. And Mary said, behold, the man said, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. I want you to think about what she just said. How much faith did that take for her to go say, okay. She didn't have a Bible to read on the outcome of this whole situation. She just knows that God said you're pregnant and you're going to have the Son of God. And she already knows what in the world is going to happen to me. What's, what are people going to say? You know, whenever you run into a problem, what's the first thing that runs in your mind? What are people going to say and what is going to happen to me? And fear tries to grip you and to tell you don't obey what God just said. What's going to happen to my children? What's going to happen to my home? What's going to happen if I obey God? What's going to happen to me and the children if I obey God and my husband says no? What's going to happen to me? What's going to happen to me if I stand up for my Christian rights and I'm a school teacher? What's going to happen to me? And yet we find out that a woman of God is fearless. And yet women of God are. There's many a woman that has stood up for right. Whenever everybody in the world said, don't do it, and took the heat of that. What's the lady's name? And please, please forgive me. It's that stood up on the bus and Rosa Parks and said, I'm not sitting in the back. Listen, she had to have been fearless. She knew the outcome of what she just did. And she set a nation free because she was willing to take some heat. Mary, we owe a lot to Mary. But the, thir- but the fourth thing about a woman of God is women of God are fearless. They will do what's right because it's right. What about the outcome? Doesn't matter what's right. Always do what's right. No matter the outcome, God will take care of you. Now, I got one more scripture, and I mean one more scripture, and I don't know where it is. I should have written it down. He who finds a wife finds a good thing and finds favor of God. Men, let me talk to you for a minute. Just you young men. Let me talk to you young guys for a minute. Stop looking at your checkbook whether you can get married. When, When you find a wife, God will bless you. Because you've decided to get married... You've decided to have children and raise them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And favor will come on you in abundance. Not that you're a tough old man, but because you married a good woman. Don't, don't ever get the calculator out 
and ask, can we afford children? You cannot. You go ahead and have children. God can take care of you and the children. Whenever you find a wife, the Bible says you find a good thing and you find favor from God. God, Men, God will bless you by the way you treat your wife. You're a joint heirs in the grace of life. As a matter of fact, if you don't treat her good, he'll stop answering your prayers. And you're on your own, baby. Don't mistreat his daughter. He, he don't like it. And he sees everything. Ladies, you say amen, amen, amen. Amen. Now, we're naturally talking about mothers in Mother's Day, but we're talking about women because hopefully all the women become mothers. Maybe there's a few that don't. That's fine. That's fine too. But for you women... I wanted to say something today and minister to you and just say a a big God bless you, thank you. Your children will never rise up and come to you and tell you how much they love you until they have children. And they will come back. And they will knock on your door and say, Mom, and it will be a real serious time. I had no I." And you'll go, really? (laughs) And you'll get your day. And from that day forward, you'll be their hero. But don't be surprised if they don't get it right now. I mean, even though I'm a dad, I remember the day that Che, my daughter, came to me and said, Dad, I had no idea. (laughs) Kids don't understand what parents go through. It's not a nine to five. It's 24-7. You're there with them. You're beside them. You're there when they, are, when they don't feel good. You're, you, you know, Lisa can hear everything. I, she's super ears. The boys would cough and boom, she's out of bed like flash. And boom, she's gone. I go, where'd you go? Well, you know, one of the boys um, was having a problem. I said, I didn't hear anything. She said, that's okay, baby. Go to bed. Go to sleep. I heard it. It's amazing. Between Lisa and the dog. Now, I got to tell you about the dog for just a minute. Not that he's the mother. But we had a dog that when the boys did something wrong, he would come to the door and talk to Lisa. And Lisa would go, buddy, where are they? Okay, I'm on this. (laughs) How that dog knew that what they were doing was wrong, I don't know. But the dog never came to me. (laughs) And Lisa would go, what's Buddy saying? I go, I don't know what Buddy's saying. Well, Buddy is not acting right. Well, go ask Buddy what's wrong. And, uh, and all that we had a place of, we lived out in, the, out in the country. We had two and a half acres. And the boys thought that it was a thousand. And the next door property was a pasture. And they called it Greenland because it was on the other side of the world. And they'd pack their backpacks up and go to Greenland 
they'd climb our fence and go off on the neighbor's property and, 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 and they'd be gone. And between Lisa and the dog, they're alive today. <laughs> if they went in the road, Buddy came and told Lisa. Or God told Lisa. Because, I mean, it's amazing how she'd be sitting there and go, where are the boys? It's quiet. Boom, she's out of there. And I'm going, she has ESP. <laughs> Some of it was easy. When there's cookie crumbs on the counter and every boy is quiet. You been in the cookie jar? Who told? Uh, we, we, nobody had to tell us, boys. You just look real guilty. Anyway, mothers, you're made in the image of God, women. You're not less than the man God, <coughs> God made. And I pray that you have a great day, and God bless every one of you for what you have done and you are doing. God bless the women in this church. Amen. Thank you for listening to this powerful message by Pastor Daryl Morgan. We hope it blesses you. If you would like more info on Word of Life, sermons, and free downloads, please go to wordoflifeapopka.com. Thank you and have a blessed day.